is to not tackle it or to brush over it because the whole thing of talking about conflict, it's not an easy thing. And it's, you know, it's not terribly inspirational. Like next week's message, impressive faith. You know, you really, you can kind of nail impressive faith. You know, this week's message, conflict happens. It's not, a, it's not the same jump, but it's extremely important. Especially for the church. Because we have so many people that take a look at us and go, Oh, well, you know, so and so. They, they know when we're in the grocery store. They know when we're wandering through Walmart. Guaranteed your neighbors know far more about you than you even realize. Because whether they admit it or not, they're watching us. Mm -hmm. you know? And some of them are looking out for you to screw up. They're just waiting for you to mess up so that they can... It absolutely justifies everything. You know, it absolutely justifies why they're not going to church, why they don't want anything to do with church. You know, because some Christian somewhere screwed up. Unfortunately, we're a room full of screw-ups. You know, we all make mistakes. But how we deal with those mistakes with each other becomes really, really important if we're going to see God move. Because anytime we want to see God move, there has to be unity. You know, it's one of those things. The 120 in Acts 2, they're up in the upper room. Things did, the power of God didn't fall until there was unity. Amen. You know. So, Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So... First thing we have to lay out, foundational, conflict does happen. It's inevitable if we put people in the same room. If you don't believe it, look at Survivor. I haven't seen any of the recent Survivors, but I figured once you'd seen one or two way back when they first started, every time they put somebody out somewhere, dumped them in the desert or jungle or you know some hot place with no food, first thing that happens, conflict. People start to wear on each other. You can see it in the men's group. Everybody goes into the room. If the food isn't quite right, if the coffee, so help me if we run out of coffee. Or, <laughs> That's happening. I know. Or, or if you run out of food, either the muffins or the donuts. Some guys like muffins, some guys like donuts. And if you run out of either one, oh my gosh, you know, there's automatic conflict. One of the first times I walked in, it was all about a muffin. <laughs> so, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and I'm going, wow, muffins. It's muffins that are the big issue today. Okay. <laughs> now, this gets really difficult because this next sentence can be tough. Christians can wound each other. Mm, amen. In fact, some of the 
worst wounds that we ever get happen from our fellow brothers and sisters. Amen. You know, and we go, it shouldn't be that way. And you're right, it shouldn't be that way. It gets even worse though. Because as Christians, we tend to be really, really good at the minute somebody stumbles, we kick them. You know, and if they stay down, we kick them again. And I don't know why. It just seems that we're very good at that. And it's this Matthew 18 principle that we tend to not want to follow. So just bear with me. We'll shoot through here. It's fairly sure that you will be hurt eventually. In fact, in church, you're not immune from being hurt. People sometimes think when they come to church that, okay, I've, I've done everything else. Now I'm in church. I'm never going to get injured. I'm never going to get hurt. And so then this becomes a very inspirational message when I say, guaranteed you're going to get hurt. Somebody, something is going to happen. And now, God can use it, but you have to know. You, you may and most likely will get hurt somehow. How we handle these things becomes the most important thing then. Um, you get hurt in church, you get hurt in your marriage, you get hurt in your family... Um, you'll even get hurt in your friendships. Okay? There we go. Foundational. It's usually not on purpose. Most of the time it's unintentional. I'm not using the PowerPoint. I feel too far away. <laughs> they moved the lilies. I can come off the platform again. <laughs> for those of you that were here for Easter, those lilies were put up as a wall. <laughs> I'm convinced. I was very hurt. Yeah, very hurt. <laughs> See? <laughs> Family and church. <laughs> that was two. <laughs> now, the sins against us or the hurts against us usually aren't malicious. Usually it's negligence or simple immaturity. Just not understanding, not knowing. But we can act out of character. It hurts more to be hurt by the ones that you love. Those things seem to hurt the most and the longest, and they tend to go the deepest. Why? Because our guard is usually not as high with church or family or friends. Okay? You expect when you encounter strangers that something could happen. So you tend to be a little more guarded. In church, where we're praying with one another, where we're worshiping with one another, we tend to let our guard down a little bit more. And so then when something happens, it seems to go deeper. And it becomes really hard to handle. Hurts break relationships. They do. But why? Our response to pain is that we pull away. We withdraw. Think of a stove. You know, think of it. You touch the stove. It's hot. It burns. You withdraw your hand. We have a stove that is a secret stove. There was vegetables on the back of our stove cooking on the burner, the handle's in the middle of the stove. It looks safe. I put my hand on it, and it burned. And I went, what? Oven was on. Little did I know, the stupid design of this stove was that it vents up the center. And so you always turn your pot handles in so that you, know, you don't accidentally knock the pot off or flip it back towards yourself. So there I go, I push it into the center of the stove. It's always safe. Not a chance, got burned. So now I don't go near a pot that's on it. My, it's my safety thing. I just go, I don't care what's there. I don't care how good it is. 
you know, if I don't have a silicone thing on my hand, I'm not touching it because you, you can't tell. It's a secret thing. It's not like it gets red hot enough to be able to tell you because the handle covers it up. I withdrew from it. I didn't want to be there. What happens in church? Somebody hurts us? Hey, I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, right away. I'm going to go somewhere else. The problem is somebody hurts you there. I'm going to go somewhere else. Until finally you end up, you're not going anywhere. You just happen to be sitting somewhere in your living room. And then it's your spouse. Or it's your kid. Or it's your dog. Somebody else does something and, you know, it just perpetuates. And then finally you find yourself just sitting there all alone going, okay, well, at least TV's not hurting me. And then they put up a commercial that you don't like and TV hurts you. So. <laughs> Love unites people, right? Amen. People who love each other make their way to a marriage. They get married, come together. It's a uniting of a man, of man and a woman. Amen. Now, sin divides. Hurt divides. It separates. You know, there's a few churches in Maine that, you know, those little toppers, somebody went in and changed the toppers. It caused a major division. And so people actually moved from one side of the church to the other so that they could sit at the sit and glare at the other side that had changed the curtains without doing whatever proper thing was supposed to have been done. And you're going, really, curtains? Little, little things. The fruit of love is unity. The fruit of sin is division. Unless we deal with the hurt, the division remains. Now, there's polite divisions. Right? You just smile at them when you come to church. <laughs> no more conversation. It's just... You don't even say good to see you. You know? And you make sure that you're not sitting in the same row. The worst thing I could ever do as a pastor was what I did a few weeks ago when I had everybody stand together. You know? Because... Hey, I don't know who doesn't like who. And I wouldn't put everybody standing up beside each other. Some churches, you do that, they'll start throwing things at you. You know, because they let little things fester. Is healing possible? Yes. Great illustration on hurt came from a friend of mine. Familiar with in the grocery store? They have those little cactuses. You know those little cactuses they sell them at the front of some grocery stores? Yeah. You know, ones with a tall spiky thing and it's got all the spikes on it? Best explanation of hurt and healing from hurts that I'd ever seen was this. He said, it's just like a cactus. And what happens? You, if you pick the cactus up by the spiky ends, it hurts. Okay? The things are stuck in your hand. Can't get healed while holding the cactus. The hurt will remain. Until you let go of the cactus, you're never going to get healed. Mm. Letting go, though, of that hurt can be really, really tricky. Mm. It can be, it's not an easy thing because it tends to build for a long time. You know, it was just a little thing. Somebody looked at you wrong. Now, I shared yesterday with the men's group that there was a secretary um, at Zion back in the 90s, the admission secretary. 
And she walked into my office one day and burst into tears. I said, hey, what's going on? She said, she's crying. She goes, you hate me. I'm like, well, I don't hate you. How in the world could you possibly think I hate you? She says, you never say hi to me in the morning. I don't say hi to anybody in the morning. By the time, by the time they're all there, it feels like it's about midday. You know, I'm usually at least an hour ahead. So by the time somebody shows up, I'm well into my day. I'm in the middle of a project. I'm not thinking about the simple niceties. And I hate to tell you, names, I'm deadly with. <laughs> I am. I can't. I try really, really hard. But for some reason, I have it. names trip me up all the time. And guaranteed, somebody's going to go on going, you forgot my name. The pastor didn't know my name. Yeah, I may not have. It's not that I don't like you. It's not even that I don't remember the story about you that you told me. I can tend to remember details. You know, if somebody climbed Mount Washington when they were four years old and they stayed in a shack, you know, and a tree fell, I can remember all of those, but I can't remember the name of the person who told me the story. Want to know why? When do people say their names? People say their names in the first few seconds that you meet them. Right? Hi, I'm Chris. Ba 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 ba. Usually, I'm still thinking about whatever I was thinking about when that person came up. And now they're launched into a story, and I'm going, okay, paying attention. I can remember the story. What was the name? I wasn't paying attention. I was switching attention. You know, anybody who's been married for a long time, the ladies know this, because they know that the guys shut down on them. They know that when they're sitting, they go, man, he's not paying attention. Not listening. No, hit the wall on number of words that I can possibly absorb. I just, I can't absorb any more words. You know, at some point at the day, we've hit too many words. And in our house, it usually goes like this. Oh, dear, how's Beth? That's her older sister. If I can get her distracted with her older sister and get her on the phone with her older sister, she gets to talk. It's true. It's true. No, I, I, unfortunately, this flawed creature is who she married. I'm doing my best to get better, but it's a really long road, and she knows. So, you know, but I have to tell myself. I noticed it when I was with Marie at her school. She wanted me to go over. It was a father-daughter thing at her school. And she sat down beside me at the table in her nice dress. And we were sitting there. And all her friends were there with their fathers. It was like this grade three thing. And she was just talking away. And I kept having to remind myself, pay attention. Pay attention. Make sure you pay attention. Don't blank out. Because this is really important. But it's hard. You have to be intentional about it. And we tend to, once we've been hurt, we want to avoid that pain. Fastest way to avoid the pain. And I realized this after my parents got divorced. When my parents got divorced, I was 16 years of age. I stopped talking to everyone. I totally withdrew. Everything that I knew had fallen apart. The only thing that I knew to count on was the Lord. Because He'd always been faithful. So I withdrew. Didn't talk to anybody. It took a youth pastor coming and sitting in my house playing the Nintendo. 
This guy would show up every day after school and play Nintendo. And I'm going, like, seriously, do you not earn enough money that you can't buy your own Nintendo? This isn't even, you know, a really good one. This is one I bought from somebody else doing yard work. But he was coming, I'm going, man, I, I honestly began to think that he had a major Nintendo addiction. <laughs> and he needed a support group. As it turned out, no, he didn't need a support group. And he wasn't that much into Nintendo. But he really was into people. And he saw that I was hurting. And so he showed up and sat down and just was with me. Because I was fully withdrawn. Well, in any way I was going to talk to somebody. I know you're sitting there and you're going, man, I can think of people that are withdrawn. Maybe you're one of them. Because you've been hurt. And so we shields go up. Now, where do we go with our pain? When we get hurt, what do we do? Initial reaction. Man, I can't believe that Bob LeBlanc. He hurt me. He just went and bop, 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 bop. Sorry, Bob, front row. I don't know. Not a problem. Go for it, sir. Took me longest to learn your name, so it's the one name I've got down. Not a problem, sir. No, but right away, you know, what's the first thing we do? We call up our best friend and go, man. Look at what just happened to me. Do we, do we actually go to Bob and go, hey, Bob, really? No. First initial reaction is we tell whoever's important to us or we tell someone else because we want them to understand and make us feel better because we've been hurt. We want to be patted on the back and go, oh, they shouldn't have done that. But in church, when we don't do this and go one-to-one, Things get bad because then we're drawing other people in. You know what so and so did? We start to nurse a grudge. A grudge ultimately becomes suspicion, and you start going, you know, I think he's part of the mafia. <laughs> really? There's no evidence at all that he's a part of the mafia. But we start to, that grudge turns into suspicion. Then we question all the motives. Every time he talks, man, I heard a tone in his voice. Now you heard a cold or an allergy, but we interpret it that way, and it just spirals, it gets worse. And then we start to spread the mistrust because somebody goes, hey, I was thinking of doing this with, sorry, Bob, it's good for you to for the rest of the day. But, you know. We get a good opportunity that comes up. Bob's perfect for it. Somebody says, hey, do you think we should talk to Bob about it? I think you can do real well. No, you can't trust that guy. Why? Any evidence? No. Was there a grudge? Grudge that got built up, built up, built up. That's why in the Bible it says when you have all against your brother, go to him. That's tough. That is not easy to do. Much less, of course, because, you know, I tend to be the guy that's caused all the conflicts. I told Bob Hamilton, if something's ever going to blow up, it'll blow up when I'm there. It just does. It happens. Sure enough, today, person walks in the door, Bob's not there, Bob's really nice. It probably never would have blown up with him. I'm standing there, kaboom! <laughs> Bill's going, what's going on out there? <laughs> He's coming running out to try to help. I was pretty much convinced that we were going to get a people from a few other buildings. What do we do? You know? What do we do when somebody looks at us real strange and goes, 
we nurse a grudge, we tell somebody, we never tell that person. That person never has the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm sorry, man, I had no idea. You know how many people's toes I've stepped on unintentionally? Never even knew. They had no idea. It's great in a Bible college. You just got to know in a Bible college. Because anytime the Spirit of God moves in a service, guaranteed you're going to end up with some student that's going to come up to you and they're going to go, you know, four years ago you looked at me really strange and I've hated you ever since. <laughs> you know, and on those I'm going, really? How does that help? I had no idea you had a problem with me. That's great that you've managed to get a squared away in your life. But now every time I see you, I'm going to be thinking, oh man, I can't do that because I'm going to make a mistake. But relationships are that important. Because it's all about us and our relationships one with another. We can't also absorb it into ourselves. Because, you know, we say, okay, that's it. I'm not going to make waves. I'm not going to rock the boat. And instead what happens is everything piles up. It just piles up, piles up, piles up until the final straw breaks the camel's back. You know, and a big blow-up happens. Internal bleeding is the most dangerous thing for somebody to deal with. Mm. Um, Ramona Crabtree uh, ended up with some blood clots. Apparently had a couple blood clots in her lungs and in her legs. And they discovered them. Fortunately, uh, Good Friday. And so she spent Easter weekend in the hospital. And when they put her on Coumadin, the one thing that they told her was, you have to be really careful now that you're on Coumadin because you can bleed internally. And you don't know that you're bleeding. That's what happens within churches. Why are we going over this? Because we're continuing to grow. We're having people coming in. We're having people coming in, and not everybody's going to look the same. Not everybody's going to act the same. Not everybody's going to be as nice as we want them to be all the time. But we need to bear with one another in love so that we're able to help. Now, we need to go to the person that's hurt us. Guys, that's, that one is not an option. That's a command. It's a scriptural command. Go to the one that has hurt you. Don't even finish your offering. Leave your offering and go to them. Now, as the chief guy who tends to offend most people, it really helps me if you can let me know that I've offended you. Okay, I just ask it as a personal thing. I know it's scriptural command, but, you know, honestly, I don't mean to. Sometimes I say things and, you know, it gets misinterpreted. Let me make it right. You know what else? Most people when given the opportunity, will seek to make it right. Mm -hmm. Okay? They're not trying to be malicious. They're not trying to hurt. But that's hard because we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And society says, don't give anyone the benefit of the doubt. Don't trust them. Can't trust anybody. Can't do it. But we're supposed to in here. I had to check with Donna Hamilton on this. Um, First three rules of treating trauma. You expose it, you expose it, you expose it. Okay? If there's a traumatic injury, you have to expose the whole area to make sure that there isn't any other residual injuries, that it didn't go through, that there isn't a missing thing. Which is why you tend to see when the EMTs are working on somebody, the clothing is all getting cut off so that they can get at the whole person, so that they can work on it. I always thought it was just to torture you with those weird gowns, but it isn't. 
<laughs> so that they can actually figure out, you know, where you're injured and what they need to treat. How do we go to someone? We have to check our attitude. Okay, I have been my proud tradition among Zion alumni. This is what they named me with back in the early '90s. Oh, him? He's never met a conf he's never met a conflict he didn't like. There was a reason my nose had been broken as many times as it had. If hockey stick punched in the face, you know, it tended to come my way. Quick with wit. And, you know, you get to the place where you're not going to back down. You're just going to go and you're going to fight. The problem is, if I go to you with that attitude, that I'm ready for a fight, what happens? Your shields go up. You immediately seek to protect yourself. There's no dialogue. So we have to check our attitudes. We don't want to go and prove the person wrong. We don't want to go just to vent anger. We don't want to go because we want to show them how spiritually superior we are. We have two concerns that we want to address when we go to someone. Status with God and the church. And our relationship, our unity, trust, and love. Our attitude when we go to people should be to win them back. To win back that relationship. That relationship should be so important to us that we don't want to lose it. And if we don't want to lose the relationship, then we're willing to make the investment. And sometimes that means taking the low road. You know, and that's not always easy. It's not easy to take the low road. It's important in church. Because when we do that, we're able to keep our relationships good. But then we're able to keep, make our relationships great. Okay? When Tom Wiles was a university chaplain at the Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, he picked up Leonard Sweet at the airport in his new Ford pickup to take him to a conference. Since Sweet was still mourning the trade-in of his Dodge truck, the two men immediately bonded over this truck and the stories that they were talking and sharing related to trucks. And he said, Sweet tells that as he climbed into Tom's 2002 Ranger for the ride back to the airport a day later, he noticed two big scrapes by the passenger door. What happened? My neighbor's basketball post fell on the truck, Tom replied sadly. You're kidding, how awful. The truck is so new, I can smell it. What's even worse is my neighbor doesn't even feel responsible for the damage. I immediately rose to my friend's defense. Did you contact your insurance company? How are you going to get them to pay for it? This has been a real spiritual journey for me, Tom replied. After a lot of soul searching and discussions with my wife about hiring an attorney, it came down to this. I can either be in the right or I can be in a relationship with my neighbor. Since my neighbor will probably be with me longer than this truck, I decided that I'd rather be in a relationship than be right. Besides, trucks are meant to be banged up, so I got mine initiated into the real world just a bit earlier than I expected. We have to weigh it. What's more important? Being right or having a friend? Having that relationship that then lasts for a long time. Now, of course, if the person doesn't listen, Scripture says, get one or two others and then... If they still don't listen, 
then it goes to the church. Now, it does not go to the pulpit. You don't get to run up and stand on the platform and go, blah, 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 blah. Really? Public sins are dealt with publicly. You know, that's the things that get done publicly. Things done privately are handled privately. Why? It makes sense. Why are you going to humiliate someone if you're trying to build relationship? Just simple things. But public sins have to be dealt with publicly. And that's 1 Timothy uh, 5.20. And that deals with elders who are sinning. And elders who are sinning publicly get dealt with publicly. It just happens. You've seen it. You've seen it with some of the big name preachers out there. And you've seen how big the fall was for them. The goal of all of this, though, has to be restoration. You'll notice in Scripture that God is always working towards restoration. It's not justice. Okay? Justice, the only justice that any of us deserves is death. You know, that's where we lay it down. We don't go to make a case. We don't take a prepared legal brief. We're not there to win or even to take sides. We don't go as judge and jury. So many times when we get caught in stuff and these things, we want to go and we want to be judge and jury. We want to condemn and sentence them. The punishment must be meted out. That's not done in love. We want to chase reconciliation. Guys, don't wait for somebody to come to you. If you know of a problem, folks don't always know that they've done something. And reconciliation doesn't just happen. It's uncomfortable. It's vulnerable work. Why is it vulnerable? Because you're going open and saying, hey, I've been hurt. This is particularly hard for guys. Really hard for guys to say to another guy, I've been hurt in the process. Because what's the first thing that a guy tends to think? You big sissy. <laughs> okay, it, it, it is, you know. It's Jesus' church, not ours. Okay, that's how important these relationships are. The most important people in the world right now are the ones that are around us. Okay? Because they're part of this body that we're part of. And it's only together. It takes all the gifts and talents in this room to be able to effectively minister to this community. All the gifts and talents. That means every single person in this room has a part to play. Has a role somehow. God has made you special. You don't know how bad I wanted to play that veggie tale. They communicated so well. We need to love as Jesus loved. Jesus was willing to give up his entire life. That may mean having to just humble yourself and say, okay, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that I am not exactly who you thought I was. Even if you feel like you're completely right. Be driven to win back your brother or sister. Don't settle for polite. Don't let it go until it's impossible. It's not just about you. It's about everyone else here in the church. Amen. Okay.
Okay? That's what it comes down to. We will love enough to confront each other in loving ways is the bottom line. Tim Sanders, former Chief, Chief of Solutions Officer at Yahoo and the author of Love is a Killer App, says about establishing priorities. Take your life and all the things you think are important and put them into one of three categories represented by three items. Now you'll understand why I like this. Three categories, glass, metal, and rubber. Things of rubber, when you drop them, will bounce back. No harm is done when these things get dropped. So for instance, if I miss a Patriots game, my life will bounce along fine. I don't really think that. <laughs> but I'm working on it. <laughs> Missing a game or a season of football will not alter my marriage or my spiritual life. Actually, it probably will. It'll probably make my marriage much better, but... <laughs> we all gotta make sacrifices. <laughs> Just, that was a joke. I'm so sorry that was a joke. I should not have done that. The, the point is, things of rubber, you can take or leave them. Things of metal, when dropped, create a lot of noise. But you can recover from the drop. If you miss a meeting at work, you can get the cliff notes from another coworker. If you don't balance your checkbook and lose track of how much you have in your account, the bank will notify you of an overdraft. Yeah. They, they're good like that. They pretty much will follow up with you. That'll create some noise in your life, but you can recover from it. Things of glass when dropped shatter into pieces and they'll never be the same again. They can be glued back together, but they're altered forever. They may be missing some pieces, and they probably can't hold water again without leaking. The consequences of this brokenness will forever affect how the glass is used. Now, you're the only person who knows what those things are that you can't afford to drop. More than likely, these things that you can't afford to drop will have a lot to do with your relationships, with your children, your family, your friends, those around you in the church. Okay? that wasn't too hard. I had noticed there weren't a lot of amens to this sermon, and that's okay. You know why? Because sometimes it's just important to know what the Bible says. The reason why this is important to me is because it really does help. It helps our relationships when we're able to go to someone and say, you know what, you hurt me, or I didn't like this, that you did. And sometimes they can explain, and then you go, Wow, I never saw it from that perspective before. And then that way you don't lose the relationship. Because you know what? Everybody in this room is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Want to know how I know that without knowing everybody? God made you. Mm -hmm. Amen. And if you were important enough for God to make you, mm -hmm. if you were important enough for the Amen. Lord to know the plans Amen. and the purposes okay. that He had for you before you were even born, that means that you're really important. That's how I know these things are important. I also know that this stuff wouldn't be in the scripture if it wasn't important to us. And if Jesus felt it was important enough to have it, then somehow we need to do it. It's not easy. And it starts by letting go of the cactuses. So if somebody's hurt you, first thing you got to do is let go of the cactus. You can't have any, anti any antibiotic cream put on it. 
I joke with Marie all the time that, you know, oh, it looks like a bad injury. We can just cut it off. It'll never hurt like that again. <laughs> She's not taking me up on it. She said, no, Daddy, I just need a Band-Aid, maybe a little bit of that cream. <laughs> but I can't do anything with it until she lets me. That's how it is with all of us. We can't do anything about our relationships one with another. And please don't all line up to talk to me after this sermon. <laughs> That'd pretty much kill me, it really would. <laughs> I don't think I could take a long line. <laughs> but take it up, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, would you like to go to your car now? <laughs> aren't easy things, but they're necessary things. Amen. Okay, because if Jesus tarries five to ten years down the road from now, you're going to be able to say, I saw when God did in this person's life. And I remember when this family member came back. And I remember those great times that we had at retreat, or at the men's meeting, or the ladies meeting, or when we were doing that work day. The memories that you build mm -hmm. were enriched by each other. Mm -hmm. If God felt that things were so important to number the hairs on your head, mm -hmm. then no matter what you think about anyone else, you know for sure that God cares about you. Mm -hmm. And when you can realize that, you know that God cares about the person beside you just as much too. And that's where we start from with our relationships. Okay? Mm -hmm. Next week, really easy. We're going to talk about impressive faith. We're going to talk about the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus. You know, because her daughter needed a healing. Mm. And Jesus says, what? Really? We're going to give... Should, should breadcrumbs be given to a dog? Right. She says, even the breadcrumbs... Off, even the dogs get breadcrumbs off the master's table. That's how great her faith was. So we're going to look at impressive faith, a more inspirational message to help us as we go. So this is like a Sunday version of Christianity 101. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, most of all, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you. Father, I just pray right now that if there's any hurts in the room, Yes, yes. If there's any bitterness and resentment that's built up, that, Lord, you would just remove it, that you'd apply the balm of Gilead to the wounds and the hurts, that, Father, all the things that may have occurred that have seemed to be so grave, that, Lord, you'd help put them into proper perspective. Help us to have the courage to deal with one another in love, to reach out to our brother or sister, to speak to them, to allow them to be a part of our lives too. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you're still able to work in us and that you have a plan and a purpose just for us. Yeah. Lord, I just pray that you would guide and lead us in the week ahead that as we go out into the fellowship hall, that you'd season our words with love and that this community would come to know the Ware Community Church is a place where people love one another. Right. Yeah. Father, thank you for all these things. 
most of all, Lord, thank you for each one here. I pray that you pour blessing onto them this week, that they would have great blessings poured out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Mike.